Welcome to episode 19 of the Chasing Life podcast, August 28th, 2023. We skipped a week again. We had hated it. We did second cut. We were hoping to get some dry hay done, but the weather was not on our side. So we cut hay, let it dry for two days, and then the weather looked like <laughs> thunderstorms and 24 full hours of nonstop rain. So we had to bail it and wrap it again. Yeah, we bailed it. So it's, I, if I had to guess, 30-ish percent. Yeah. I, I mean, we... I don't, I don't know where I'm pulling that number from. Yeah, but. I don't know. Up your ass. <laughs> we, I had, I was going to buy you a hay hydrometer for Christmas last year. And they had one at PV Mart. And I looked at it and read the very little instructions that was on the back of the the hay hydrometer and it was in one of those like secure rack things where you need to have an associate bring their magnet over to unclip it i didn't have my knife in my pocket or i would have just like cut the blister pack off the hook anyway i got it to the till and my total was like six hundred dollars and i think i bought i had that and like two other things and i was like whoa whoa how much was that hydrometer and it like four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. So, so the, o- the other problem is, I was looking into it more. Those are only for bales. So, like, you have to stick it into the baled hay. It has to be compressed into a bale well, before it works. So they go. do make one that looks, you know, those big like like a probe, like a chisel almost. But it's got a spike on the end of it. So okay. like those like a big rubber handle thing. Yeah. So it's got like a screen on the top and then it's got like a whatever one foot like chisel spear. point almost like a yeah. spear. And what they say is you take a five gallon bucket out, you gather 10 pounds of matter, stuff it in the bucket hmm. and then stuff this thing into it. And it's supposed to take a reading. It's the only way to do what they call windrow. I only ever found one manufacturer. I can't remember the name of it, but if you s- Google windrow moisture tester you'll find it i don't know so but the, again it was like 450 us or something stupid the so our solution was the solution was to just wrap it again because we can store it outside it doesn't have to be dry it's not going to set our barn on fire we just don't have dry hay so for the duration of the winter we will be unwrapping <laughs> varying levels of unwrapping baleage. wrapped hay all winter long. I don't love the, that amount of plastic, but we had to do it. It yeah. had to be done. So, cause we had to get that hay in and I'm thankful we called in one of our members who's a, you know, younger guy has a partner, but not married, doesn't have kids. And I just sent him a text and said, Hey, <laughs> are you busy tonight at six forty-five after coaching two classes back to back, getting into the house, stuffing down a quick dinner, getting the boys off to bed and going, shit, we have to get all of this hay in tonight or we're going to lose it. Like It rained like two hours later. <laughs> we need help. Who can we call? And so I sent James a text and he said, have you got dinner? And I said, pulled pork. And he said, be there in 20. 
and he was and or he said do you have any claritin or benadryl because apparently he's also allergic so um yeah we gave him some antihistamines and some pulled pork and he helped us do hay and we got her done yeah 54 bales or something so it's looking like we have 150 plus bales of wrapped hay for ruby and lionel for the winter which and we are depleting our dry hay right now because she's eating that and she's fussy too yeah my only concern with the wrapped hay, and maybe now that Lionel's eating grass, it will go a lot quicker. The wrapped hay, once it's unwrapped, molds quickly. Yeah, you only have about two days. So we're going to have to, yeah, do some math and figure like... I wonder if the man. cold will help slow that down a little yep. bit more in the winter. Yep. So we don't have to use it up quite as fast. I'm sure it will. Or we just need to get more animals that eat hay. Yeah, or... Uh, yeah. It just seems ludicrous that we would have to buy dry hay this winter. I think we're going to have to buy dry hay. That gives me a lump in my throat. It Like to, to be faced with the prospect of having to buy dry hay and then as a result probably end up throwing out wrapped hay <laughs> next June when it's time to make room for first cut We'll see how next they it. So another haying season under our belt. Just in time for the baler to just completely get full. There's, I figured it all out. I had it run real great. I solved the problem with a big change. And in, then, in, and then, in the like processing. So you brought the RPMs way, way down. So you stopped running. Like, for some reason, I started. I just started bailing it well and, and I hadn't brought the RPM up. So like anybody who hasn't driven a tractor knows that when you drive a uh, PTO, typically most equipment runs. At like 35, 36, 3700 RPM is what it likes at the PTO shaft. And our tack only works sometimes. So it's a best guess at the at the best of times. Yeah. So, I mean, you typically want to drive, depending on what you're doing, you want to run a little bit higher because it'll dip if you, you know, when you're going up a hill or something. Or when like you that. leave so, the emergency brake on. Or when you leave the emergency brake on. Um, so, yeah, we... That um, was me, not Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I mean, I just kind of assumed like it wants like 3000 RPM. Off we go. Um, it really likes somewhere between like 200 and 700 RPM. Yeah. So when the you were running at tractor idles at like five or 600 RPM. So when you were running at 3000, 3500 RPM, yeah, three times, at least three times faster than it likes. Breaking shear bolts like crazy. And, that and we couldn't figure out why we were breaking shear bolts. And like we thought it was because the hay was too heavy. So we were, you know, you raked the wind rows a little bit lighter and you I was went driving so really slow. slow, but then you were still breaking shear bolts. And then we thought maybe it was because the hay was too wet and it was just kind of, you trying to eliminate all of the variables. And then by accident, you kind of ran the tractor at a and lower it, RPM. It, really, it worked for half a roll or like half a bale was already sucked up in and it was still going. I was like, well, let's just keep going and see what mm -hmm. happens. And then I started picking up speed. And for a while, I was going to a pretty good clip. Yeah, you were almost <laughs> done by the time I was coaching, done coaching two classes. So it took me about an hour to figure it out. And then I bailed for about another hour. But I did more work in the last hour than. Yeah. I so did more work in the last 20 minutes than I did in the first hour. Then as we were kind of, you were almost finished. You had a couple more rows to do. Disaster. Yeah, so I had one real thick row and a few other rows that, like, because I'm still not great at making wind rows with the rake. So I had some, like, wide rows, and I was going to go back and suck up the rest of the little bits on it. Um, and, yeah, I picked up. Well, also the baler twine, the twine feeder jumped, so it kept slicing the twine, and mm -hmm. I didn't get all of it. 
And, and there was a bunch of bales that weren't even wrapped. Yeah. So what happened to all of that twine? Oh, it's in the spring steel. It's in the intake. So it's all There's wrapped up in the spring steel. There's probably 20 feet or so of bale of twine stuck in there. I imagine that, that was the throw every in the towel single one of those, like you're going to have to take that whole thing apart. Like I wonder if you could get a jack and lift it and take that whole shroud off and access from underneath every single one of those tines. You can. How many are there? A lot. There's probably 80 I, or 90 bolts yeah, to take off. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, 90 to um, But now is the time that those jobs need to be done. And I was thinking this, and I've said this several times. I have never looked forward to the winter. When this, and when this summer... When the season gets to be where it is now and summer's starting to wind down. We're just picking up harvest. You can probably hear the crickets because the, like this is the time of year that the crickets come out all night long and the cicadas during the daytime. You can see like all the cicada shells in the trees. Like the, the June bugs are coming up out of the ground. The cicadas are, are coming out of the trees. I get sad. Like when the goldenrod comes out into the field, it's like, oh, summer is over. The kids are going back to school. This year, I am so freaking excited for frost because I'm just like, okay, hay is done. We're good with hay. Let's have the frost and shut this fucking garden down because there's tomatoes everywhere. We're in the have to pick tomatoes daily. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've never looked so forward to winter. I have to make some frames to dry all our potatoes and onions. Mm-hmm. You do because, well, I mean, the picnic table is working. Like our patio table yeah. is working, but it's probably not big enough. And and it rains. Yeah. I mean, we don't sit at it anyway. We don't eat it outside anyway. I mean, eating inside with the boys is enough of a challenge. Yeah. Can you imagine eating outside with them every night? We did it for a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for that's right. Three months last year. It was summer. very screamy, and I didn't like it. So that's that. I can't wait for winter. I can't believe I said it. Yeah, I still have a lot to do before that, but... Well, and then it's a different list of projects to do, right? Then it's like equipment maintenance and... Cleaning out the garage so that I can build shit for tomorrow, for next summer. Well, and for me, it's the house, right? So... We got to take that wall down. We got to take the wall down <laughs> in the living room so we can get our living room back because Olivia's now in the girl's old room. So we can take down the temporary bedroom that we had for Olivia. We can buy a new couch. We can rearrange the space so that the boys have like a dedicated toy space and we can have a dedicated living space and just the little things like bring our books back into the living room and our record player and records and couch and like have a place to sit and drink a coffee on a Sunday morning while the boys play like have coffee house on the weekend yeah all of the things <laughs> I'm just you know I'm excited for the next season of things so speaking of that so school is starting next week and I know that we have been banging the drum of homeschooling Hudson and we were always quite adamant that we were going to homeschool him and he wasn't going to go to kindergarten. We had this really awesome opportunity come our way and Hudson is going to be starting a Waldorf kindergarten learning pod next week. So the teacher who's going to be leading it is a retired Waldorf teacher and there's going to be seven or eight kids in the pod, I think. Maybe maybe only six. Maybe six. Anyway, doesn't matter. Small pod. And she she's lovely. Jan is 
such a beautiful soul. I want her to sing me down for naps like she did Hudson. When yeah. We were there. So I chatted with her on the telephone and it just like the way that she discussed how the day was going to go and how the structure of the day and how she communicates with children of Hudson's age, like preschool age and what her goals are for them for learning and how she wants to structure the day for them. It's just, it sounds like such a great fit for Hudson. So we went to visit the school with Hudson and Bo. What did you say? When you were talking to her on the phone, did you get like when she was going through the schedule, did you get the like, were you like, yeah, right. <laughs> no, no. Do you want to know what I was thinking is, and I don't know if I said this to you or if I said this to someone else, but like the way she was describing it was very much my experience with kindergarten. And I have such vivid oh, yeah. memories of my kindergarten teacher. And I, and you know. With your little square of carpet. In mm. retrospect, I wonder if my kindergarten teacher was Waldorf trained because the classroom experience that she created was very much like what Jan is describing. I can, I remember kindergarten. Like, I think I remember the room more from going back when my sister was in kindergarten, but Mm -hmm. I was in that room and I can, should I might be able to draw you a picture of it. I think it was actually the school's former gymnasium turned Mm -hmm. into a kindergarten. So it was massive. Mm -hmm. No, this was a, a, I, grew up in the area so I went to a small country school and like just a classroom tidy little classroom like centers you know water table I think we had a water table and a sand table which was I think probably at that time pretty like cutting edge we didn't play with it all the time but it was like it was a pretty special day when you got to fill up the the water table and take the lid off the sand table um but like the washrooms were inside the classroom, like like tiny washrooms in the, the kindergarten classroom. And the teacher played piano. And just like I remember, and maybe because it was in the early 80s, I remember the colors being very like, very brown, like very neutral, like probably some wooden toys. Like I just remember. Lots of corduroy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like my teacher wore an a neckerchief like she wore a scarf yeah you're describing like my fair like pretty close to my experience yeah and i just think like there, like i'm pretty sure there was a piano yeah it was just a, like a tender experience like she was a very loving lady we had our nap time like we had our little blankets in our cubbies and she and sang songs square we, of carpet no i, I just remember a blanket squares. i don't remember a, scar- a carpet a carpet square but Regardless, um, we went to visit the school, which is going to be in a church and in the basement of a church and just kind of seeing like our boys go in hard charging, like throwing toys, absolutely rangy, touching literally everything. Twelve times in succession doing laps of the room, just touching. Everything. Oh, yeah. And just watching Jan go like just observing them. She was just watching both Hudson and Bo, and just kind of like asking pointed questions about Hudson's I bet behavior. He likes what does to. he like? What does he? And she, something she was spot on. And I think some questions she was just kind of like uh, probing a little bit to find out if he had sensory issues, which he doesn't, thankfully. But she asked questions that you were like, not Hudson, but that's <laughs> me. Like, does the seam of your sock bug you? Like very specifically the seam of the sock, which I thought was interesting because your mom's told that story. Oh yeah. 
I think every Wednesday she tells that story. Um, but it was just kind of interesting because that showed me that she knows children, right? She knows children at this age, what they need, you know, what their behavior is like. Where, And so that just kind of like, if it wasn't already before sealed, like yeah. that totally sealed the deal. She felt like, um, what's the Caesar, the dog guy's name? <laughs> Caesar Malone. You know how like <laughs> there's a dog going crazy. He just walks up and takes it and all of a sudden it's like, does he just have like an aura around him? Yeah. And so for me, it was interesting. It was like, like, I was so like, who are these kids? She had a basket of chestnuts and um, Hudson just started throwing them, obviously. And Jan went over to him and said, Hudson, I can see that you want to throw these chestnuts. Here's a basket of balls. You can throw these toys. These are the throwing toys. And Hudson was like, fuck yeah. And started like wheeling the balls at the sheet. But like the toys that he was allowed to throw in the place that he was allowed to throw them. She didn't say no. She didn't stay, say stop. And she didn't say don't. And And Hudson was just like fully responsive. And I'm like, man, I've got some work to do. Like, huh. So, I mean, I've been trying, but I feel like Hudson has um, upped the ante since last week. Like, he sees that we're trying to be gentler and he's like, okay, show me what you got. Like, can you be gentle when I do this? Like, he's... T he's You're supposed to be being a better parent verbatim he said that to you yes yeah yeah you're supposed to be trying harder <laughs> fuck <laughs> so one of the things that jan said that i can do with hudson to get him back into his body is to like give him like like squeezes like firm squeezes on his body she even suggested that we get him a weighted blanket just to like bring him down a little bit to get him in out of his head and into his body and so i'm not ready to buy a weighted blanket for our four-year-old but um i have been doing like squeezes on him before he goes to down for a nap in bedtime and he enjoys it and i don't know if it's like just that one-on-one -on -one, like really devoted time with him that he's enjoying or if he actually i'm sure he, like maybe it's 50 50 like he doesn't he does appreciate the touch he does enjoy the massage but he uh yeah we'll see so Hudson's going to school and I would really like to spend some time digging into the methodology a little bit so that we can have consistent communication with him when he gets home. Like we can definitely do better, Yep. but it's, it's hard and it's hard when it's like Hudson's misbehaving and then Bo is parroting the behavior and then it just escalates. And then like, I find myself yelling and I'm like, how did we get here? Like, how did this happen so fast? Like this morning, getting ready to go to the park, going to the race car park. And I said, okay, we're going to the race car park. I need to pack snacks. Please put your shoes on, but wait. I tried not to say like, don't go outside. Like tried to not say, don't stop. No, I tried to like leave those words out of my communication but like Hudson's outside Bo's outside nobody's wearing shoes <laughs> throw the food in the bag let's go and it's just like I try like I try so hard and it's just absolute mayhem so there, 
Good luck, Tan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So next week our, our family rhythm is going to change a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I think he's going to have a riot. Yeah, I, I do too. And like, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to having a day with just me and Bobo. I'm looking forward to Hudson having school time. I'm looking forward to Thursdays is going to be just me and Hudson. Bo is, we're going to kind of stagger the days that the boys are at school and daycare. So I get one-on-one -on -one time with each of them throughout the week. So I don't know. It, I mean, it's going to change our rhythm, but uh, it's going to be good. Sometimes I feel a little bit guilty for how excited I am. I'm excited for like, but not like, I'm excited for him to go and have that experience. Totally. Because I think that that schooling is just so counter to what everything else is now. And, and being with the, way the other kids. The way that you say that, though, makes it sound like it's negative. Like it's no, counter no, no, no. to it. It's like, it is everything that we want for him. It is the edu I, educational I, experience that we want I for him. I do think that it still fits that like, um, especially the first couple of years at like Waldorf or Montessori type of schools like it fits the unschooling more than mm -hmm. like i said something about letter boards and she's like no academics it's <laughs> like all right i felt like i got my wrist slapped when yeah, she a little said bit. that yeah it's like oh, i'm sorry <laughs> but she's sweet she's really kind and she also does um i was looking on her website and she also does some parent coaching oh. so i think maybe once she gets settled into the rhythm of teaching because this is kind of new for her again like this like she's leading this learning pod for the first time. Like she's done day camp all summer. Um, but this is the first time that she's done like a, a learning pod in this structure. So I think she's probably going to need a little bit of time to get things figured out and sorted. So um, once she kind of sounds like she's ready, I would like to reach out to her for some parent coaching because like I know that I want to do something different. Consistency, right? consistency and like i know that i want to take a different approach i just don't know how like how do you get started with like upending the way that you parent it's hard yeah our boys are wild. a lot they're wild and like i was just we talking to my gangsters i was just talking to my sister-in-law and she's planning on coming down for a visit and her and this is my ex-sister-in-law so she and i both married and divorced brothers but have stayed in touch so she was married to my ex-husband's brother and she and I got, we were thick as thieves when we were in the family. And now that we're out of the family, like it's just been really nice to reconnect with her. But so anyway, she was planning on coming down for a visit this week, but her health is not so great. She's having a problem with um, some digestive issues. And so she's on a fairly restrictive diet and she's like, I'm exhausted. My adrenals are all over the place. I'm like, maybe it's not the best time to come for a visit. Like six hours of driving for. Yeah, she's up in um, like a really away. So it's it's a lot of driving for her to come all the way here and then drive all the way back home. She probably wouldn't spend the night. And she uh, I said, maybe we can give it a little bit of time and space. Mosquitoes Stop in here. swatting them. Um, yeah. So I just said, like, it's a lot. The boys are going to wear Don't you down. So she's going to she's going to come on the weekend after the long weekend so like your birth the weekend before your birthday <gasps> um on my list oh so i wanted to follow up with the blue light on the hornworms yeah it worked it's not as it's not as crazy like vivid yeah like you're not 
it's not you still have to search for them sure and it's really interesting it is to easier see than searching during the day what else shows up on the leaves yeah. so like all it of the slightly raining the night we did it and the rain is almost iridescent when it's sitting on the leaves yeah it was really cool it was a neat experience we tried to take a photo Cameras excuse can't me get it. i'm burpy but um the phone won't pick up the blue light to take the picture so it just ended up being like a flash bulb of a hornworm <laughs> it didn't pick up like the bioluminescent yeah. on the camera so we didn't get pictures, but we did find some hornworms, probably not all of them. And like, we haven't tied up our tomatoes. So I, did. I tied uh, like did four you? or five of them the other day. Did you? I just got frustrated. While I was in Stratford? Yes. Oh, fun. Good for you. I was uh, kneeling under tomato plants, like hauling them up. Yeah. So there's a few of them that are up off the ground. Now. Good. We're not trying to salvage them. some of the ones from the top. We still have a lot of tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that are on the bottom are all rotting, so... We'll get that done. I got a couple of the like Roma and bronze torch and stuff up off the ground. Mm -hmm. I did notice that we have some of those squash bugs. I don't know if you've seen those. The ones that are all like the little beetles that all, are all over the squash. I saw a video, a reel on Instagram of a woman saying like, here's the best thing that you can do for squash bugs. And she vacuumed them up with a dust buster. <laughs> Take the DeWalt one. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have a little 20 volt. I'm going to suck up bugs out of the garden. <laughs> and then feed them to the chickens. Will they survive? Oh, yeah. What, so, oh, I know what else we need to talk about. We did our first batch in the freeze dryer. We did. So it took a little bit of figuring to get it going. And I think we kind of, like the first batch was maybe, let's call it 50-50 uh, win-fail. Yeah. So... We, we didn't have the settings quite right, and there was a plug that was upside down or something. I don't know how that happens. Um, whole, so, oh, I, I, I had the whole shelving unit in upside down. So is it is the silicone supposed to be at the top of the shelves? The way that it's in now is correct. Because there's silicone on the tops of the shelves. That doesn't make sense to me. There's, there's on both sides of the shelves, there's stuff. I don't know. It's just weird. Anyway. it's the There's a heating element. Yeah. Oh, well, then that makes more sense. On one side of them, it's a heating element. So it's like on the bottom to mm -hmm. heat up through the pan. Mm -hmm. I still don't understand how it freezes and heats at the same time. Outside freezes. The inside heat. It's heating the trays in the middle of the frosty outside. Yeah. Did you see it when it was finished? There's like a three-quarter inch, like, it's like the... It's like your deep freezer before they head. Yeah, around the outside of the barrel. That's yeah. why I'm saying I'm so confused because like the temperature setting on the on the screen says that it's 175 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the trays. But then there's ice all around the barrel around because the outside the exterior of, the trays. of it is below freezing. It just blows my mind. Also, the bucket of water that came out needs to be dumped. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Every time. Yeah, like, and it's a pain to get it out, the water out. We need to. It needs to be up off the ground so that it drains down. Okay. Regardless, when we go in the house, can you please flush that down the toilet? Because it's going to be stinky. Yeah. Yeah. So we did strawberries. Blueberries. Blueberries. Peaches. We had a pack of raspberries, so we threw it in there. Raspberries and bananas. And... The strawberries and blueberries we already had in the freeze, like they were already frozen. Yeah. The strawberries that we got from Hemans were too big and we had to chop them Fall down them so that they would fit on them. the trays. So we got all of that set up, got the trays all loaded, 
put everything in. We got milk and colostrum. So we got, I had, had to cut it all. So I had you. two bags. I brought two bags in from the freezer in the barn. So um, the big Ziploc bags hold two liters of milk. So I had and a tray holds two, two liters, liters of, of milk. milk and two liters of colostrum. And we thawed it enough that we could like shred it, like expert. break it into chunks so that it would fit onto the tray. Got that all loaded up. And then the machine says like, takes 15 you know like let it run for 15 minutes or whatever i can't remember yeah, what the screen said cooling so we did that pre-freezing and then we loaded everything up got it all up and running and then it gave us another warning message about the temperature sensor not yeah, being something. whatever whatever and then it gave us another warning message it literally took 48 hours to dry the things that we put in the freezer. And I think that that was enough time for the milk to spoil. Yeah. So. We, fr we freeze dried spoiled milk. Yeah. Because when I took it out, it smelled terrible. And then I um, tried to rehydrate it to see if it would be better. I don't know what I thought was <laughs> going to happen, but like rehydrated it and it smelled so bad. So we ended up feeding the powdered milk to the chickens along yep. with all of the rotten tomatoes that we pulled off the vines. So I don't, have they eaten it? Uh, I think so. I, I, I didn't look, look. That close. I didn't look there today. They do love spoiled milk. Yeah. Well, do they like spoiled milk powder? Just wait till it rains. Well, and then we took the trays out and you had put some things into the Mylar bags. So we have one bag of freeze dried strawberries and blueberries in Mylar bags with oxygen absorber packs. But then for whatever reason, you stopped. I didn't have time because Bo got up. And then put, just left the trays on the the we canning did, we rack package them. that was down there. And they then it just got like squidgy. They like, rehydrated a little. Well, just enough to make them sticky. Yeah. And so. I mean, we ate a bunch of them. Yeah. And then I put the I just put the rest in the freezer. So I put I froze the freeze dried fruit. <laughs> so we're on the hunt for more blueberries and strawberries. Well, I mean. We're not on the hunt. I just haven't had a chance to go get more. I know where I can find them. I just have to drive all the way out to Hemans and go get them. Hemans is far. It's like 40 minutes for us. And they'll have strawberries all year round. So, But I don't know what they spray on them. I don't know. They're not organic. Apparently, that's for sure. we got to go to Niagara. we got to get a buying co-op going. Why? That's what Slowdown Farmstead did. Went to Niagara? She's got a bunch well, that, of people up in her neighborhood. That's what Deanna <clears throat> from Beloved does. She's got a bunch of people from or like around up her way, and they uh, they just co op and they run a like they get a whole truck load of like hmm. every fruit. That's interesting. So they just like pull their orders, and they have, there is organic producers down there. I just don't have time for that right now. Like I did a bushel of peaches, and it took me so long this time. It took me three hours just to get them in jars, and then I didn't even can them until yesterday, not Saturday. Saturday night. So I processed them at your parents' house on Thursday, but then didn't pr like can the jars until Saturday because I just I didn't have time. Like just one thing after another these past couple weeks. So it's, it's harvest season. It is. It, but and then it's also a busy season like for the family in our household, like getting the kids ready for school. And my parents are on vacation. Parents so. are on vacation. Not that that means anything for I, us. I mean, that doesn't. I had to go to their house every, every yeah, two days. Yeah, I suppose. And, and you're busier at the office. And like I have to stay at the office for longer because yeah. dad's not there to cover. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah, it does mean a little bit more work for us. It's true. 
I spend this another, at least another hour or two every day that I'm not. Mm-hmm. That you're <coughs> not here. Um, so I don't think Ruby's pregnant. Um, we did a couple of those pregnancy tests and I, I still want to pee on one. Yeah, go for it. I had some serious like trauma flashbacks the first time I did a test for like when I tested for Ruby, like I, so I made her pee into a bucket and I got a little bit of pee into the pipette and I put it into the dropper hole. And then as I'm watching the pee, like, soak up on the litmus paper and go, because you can see it as it absorbs and, like, goes up the line. And then you see, like, it clears the the test field and then moves on to the control field. It's like no line in the test field, but then you can see that control line start to turn pink. I start crying. Well, because, like... I don't know if many people know this. I'm sure everybody does at this point, but we tried for two years to get pregnant with Hudson. So like I peed on my fair share of pregnancy tests, yeah. um, you know, every brand and style out there. And it was traumatizing and I was not prepared for it. I didn't expect it to happen, but it was like, oh, the body remembers. It was hard. And, and I mean, I've done a, f- a few on her since just because I thought maybe yeah. we did, we tried too early, but she's acting a little randy. She's pushing me she around got today. fresh with me the other day. Yeah. So it was funny because as I was talking to Kristen on the phone, I was standing out in the shoot, like out in the paddock out there and watching them. And Lionel was being, he's getting the zoomies. He was being kind of silly and leaping around a little bit and like sniffing Ruby's butt and animals are weird he tried to mount his mother and she like she allowed it to happen for a little bit longer than she normally would but then they started like headbutting each other and he was leaping around and being a little jerk and she wasn't having any of it and she just gave him a big old push with her head and it was kind of it was entertaining to watch but then she tried to like push me with her head when she came into the paddock <laughs> i didn't like that you only have two legs and well and they're very sore my two (laughs) legs are very sore (laughs) and you weigh significantly less than lionel does (laughs) she headbutted me in the thigh today and i somewhat accidentally whacked her in the head with the green bin (laughs) the the feed bucket that was in my hand because it hurt me and i it startled me and i whacked her i didn't mean to but i did it she doesn't care (laughs) she didn't seem to (laughs) So I messaged the the guy who's going to inseminate, and I think he's going to come by tomorrow. So I mentioned something to him about giving her um, a little bit of a booster to help encourage her heat. So he might come by tomorrow and give her the shot and then inseminate her on Wednesday. So Hopefully we will have her with calf soon. Hopefully, because I don't think she is with calf currently. So... Um, Lionel's sack has still not fallen off. So, and a it's, little raisin that could. And it, <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to like to dip him. I think it's fine. Well, listen, I think that we need to get a really good look at it because I don't think it's fine. And I am, it's like getting between his legs to dip his balls with the iodine dip cup is getting, um, treacherous like he's on to me now so i have to switch sides so he doesn't know which way i'm coming from because if i go on to his 
right side, he knows what I'm up to. But if I go on to his left side, I can kind of sneak up on him a little bit while he's nursing. Today, I went from like directly behind, like between his legs. Um, but he made contact with my shoulder the other day and he is strong and quick and accurate. So like I would People pref- don't realize how like agile. Yeah. So I would prefer a, a spray. The blue coat is out of propellant. There's lots of like material, like product in the can. It just won't come out. So that kind of makes me have to use a different method. And I suppose I could put some iodine in a spray bottle. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that for tomorrow. Because it's looking a little bit like you can see where it's raw and he's like kind of swollen above that. And I know you said like there's going to, there's bound to be some swelling, but I'm worried that it's like infection. And if he goes septic, then that's also not good. So, so we have to, we have to get him down. We have to get him roped. Put it on the list. <laughs> um, the other thing that was on my list was biosolids. They've been, uh. They were. I, well, I was bailing. They were Last running Tuesday. it down back behind Last us. Monday and Tuesday. So it smells around. It's, today has not been too bad. So in case you don't know what biosolids are, um, biosolids are human waste that has been processed. Um, for fertilizer. For fertilizer on crops. So if you want to look into it a little bit more, you can look into uh, La Salle Agra. And David Burma, um, they're the the company and the gentlemen in the area who have been no, most notorious um, for this product. Um, it's it's gross. It's unsettling, not only because of the smell, um, but the the process. So they they heat treat it, as far as I know, to get rid of, you know, whatever contaminants might be in the waste. But what they can't process out is the pharmaceuticals, the antibiotics, the antidepressants, the hormones, the the God knows what that is that Forever humans chemicals. take um, that is now going to be, you know, spread on the fields. Um. I call, like, for all intents and purposes, our neighbor is great. He's a great neighbor. Except every three years, he contracts out his field work to have this stuff spread all around our property. He's He rents the, he's got, a, I think, a long-term low, uh, lease with the guy. Right. That's what it. I'm saying. Like, so every. He's not getting them to do it. He's renting the land out and they are doing it. Regardless. Yeah. It's his property. He is, you know essentially allowing this to happen um yeah I, I mean i don't really know what else to say about that we just spent two thousand dollars on a water test um so we'll see what happens with it. and at the very least i want to know if our water is contaminated i'm hopeful that our water is okay because we have a, a nice deep well and we're on clay so we're on clay the idea is that it's not supposed to make it into the regardless of what they're spraying it's not supposed to make it all the way down right the idea yeah yeah and we ran we're getting tests done to make sure yeah so we'll see it hasn't been a really pleasant 
week or so. Um, no, and for the next, aside from the winter, for the next six months or so, every it time it rains, we're going to smell it. so weird. It smells swampy. Um, when they were spreading it, it smelled like, I actually vomited the first night that I went out because it was really, really hot and humid and sticky and the air was really stagnant and the smell was just so clings to you oh it was oppressive and like i walked out into a wall of it and i it gagged me and then i actually threw up um that was monday night and then tuesday night was the night that they were we were bailing hay and they were just running the tractors non-stop and i had to wash my hair when we went inside because this the smell was in my hair and then when i threw my clothes in the washing machine it like it was in my clothes and we were just outside we were just hanging around outside we weren't in the shit we're we weren't in the near the shit we weren't like it's bad and i think like for people who live in town or live in the city or whatever they can just say oh damn farmers spreading manure da, 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 da. this is different i don't think that most people most people would go wouldn't <laughs> most people aren't shit connoisseurs for them to go like oh they're spreading pig shit or oh they're spreading cow shit or oh they're spreading human shit I don't think that most people would think that wouldn't even be on their radar because I think when you tell people what it is, the visceral reaction that people have to like, that ain't right. Like you're not supposed to do that. Like those two things don't go together. I think most people understand that. And this just kind of goes against everyone's sensibilities. Precisely. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't know, man. I it just I'm not a fan. I like our neighbor, but there's I, not a lot of people around here that are I don't super really happy like about the process. It. I called our MP, I called our MPP, I called the township, I called the Minister of the Environment, I called the Minister of Agriculture. Like left voicemails and sent emails they don't want to and hear it. I didn't get a single response from anyone. At the beginning of the summer when they started delivering it, I did speak to somebody on the phone who was a bit compassionate and sympathetic. And I don't know if they ever came out to take a look at what was going on, like how he was storing it, because they were concerned with the storage of the product. Um, yeah, he doesn't. He, so you need a permit to store it places. The mm-hmm. problem is if they're about to spread it out on a field, they're allowed to leave it there for a while. Right. What's the what's the statute of limitations on that like they just let it i think that this time was by far worse than three years ago when they spread it the first time because it sat there and fermented in the heat and rain for two and a half months oh yeah i'm sure that there's a there's probably a time that they're allowed to do it but i don't think i think he's the the thing is i think he's following the rules totally because when you're doing something that controversial in the in the neighborhood you're gonna follow the rules right i have no doubt that he's not breaking any law no he's not and and i think maybe that's also part of the frustrating part is like everything he's doing is he's well within his rights to do it and it's fully legal and acceptable and i just don't think like the legislators and the lawmakers and the people who have green lit this take into consideration the um, quality of life of the people who are living in the thousands of acres surrounding properties that are doing this they and like care about us. and then my next question is what's happening to all of the the animal waste that isn't being spread on the fields because human waste is being spread on the fields like i don't know 
and uh, I don't know. I just, it's unsettling. It makes me cringy. I don't like it. Every three years, I'm going to be miserable <laughs> and depressed and cry and feel helpless and frustrated. And I get it. Yeah. I just, the problem is like. They made such a mess of the road that I had to talk to oh. members about not parking their vehicles in their garages when they got home because a, they were driving th like through the mess on the road. Yeah. I took a video of it. It's a mess. I took a video of it when I was coming back from dropping Olivia off because mm -hmm. I couldn't believe how much of a mess. Like it was a good solid mile and a half or two in front of our house. Mm -hmm. And so members are driving their vehicles through it to come to the gym and then driving their vehicles home and then maybe parking them in their garage, <laughs> Where the which is attached to their house. Really. Like I just, you know, if we are, our, our gym is what I would call a premium service. Like our gym memberships are not cheap. People are paying, you know, good money to be here to hopefully not have their vehicles reek like human feces when they get home. Like I just, everything about it just grinds my gears. And, and I think like we work hard to create this bubble and I just feel violated. We've gone to great length to make sure that we know where our food is coming from what's in our food what's you know what we're putting in our bodies and to have that control taken from us by you know potentially someone contaminating our drinking water like it makes me crazy well, well, get it tested what else anything else to talk about we're gonna end on the brown note Ugh. hopefully i mean Hopefully our water's okay. It'll be interesting to see what come what else comes up from that test. Yeah, I mean, I ordered the most extensive water test that you can get. Yeah. So it's not just all of the other stuff. It's like glyphosate. Well, uh, yeah, uh, the glyphosate was a separate unit, um, but no, like every like all of the different minerals, like every single little radon. Yeah. We don't have a radon problem. <laughs> usually but it's part of the test so it'll be it'll be interesting yeah. it'd be cool to go over that on the podcast too like i i don't know when the test will arrive we ordered it online and the tests it's a, will it's come been, and it's been a week or so already and well not quite um i haven't even got a shipping notification oh shit yeah and then so we'll do the test send it back wait for the results so it'll be a couple months anyway before we have any kind of indication but yeah that's that stay tuned Yeah.